Thank you, Dr. Cindy. I also want to say it was great to see all of our children here this morning. Uh, that makes it worth coming to church to see that pew full of kids today. Um, the title of the sermon today is True Contentment, True Contentment, and the passage of Scripture is this passage from Isaiah chapter 55, verses 1 through 5. When I was in college, one of my friends had, was losing his hair, and he got really insecure about it, really self-conscious about it, and, and he thought that if he were to get hair, that maybe he would feel less self-conscious and more secure. And so, one spring break, he decided to have a hair implant. And so, essentially, what happened was my friend left school on a Friday with no hair whatsoever. And then a little over a week later, he showed back up at school with a head full of hair. And everybody was just looking at him like, what happened over spring break? Well, I don't remember exactly how long it took, whether it was just a few weeks or maybe even a month or two, but one day on a Monday morning, he shows up and he's bald again. He had had the hair implant removed. And the reason why he had the hair implant removed, he said, you know, I thought that having a head full of hair would make me feel more secure. It would make me feel more content and more satisfied with who I was. But then I realized that everybody was looking at me saying, isn't that the guy that was completely bald a few weeks ago? And that made me more insecure and more self-conscious. And so he decided to just take the implant away because what he thought would satisfy him did not. Now, speaking of satisfaction, one week ago last night, the Rolling Stones hit Nashville, Tennessee and played to a sellout crowd at Nissan Stadium. Did anybody here go to the Rolling Stones concert? I didn't think so, because I know how you want to get to bed early on Saturday night so that you can be bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when you come to worship with the people of God at St. Mark's on Sunday morning. But 78-year-old Mick Jagger was there, and he was rocking the stadium. Now, when I read about the stuff online after the concert last Saturday night, I read reports that before the concert... This man who had lived over 28,500 days decided to go up to Printer's Alley and sing honky-tonk women at a karaoke bar. And then after he did that, he crashed a bachelorette party on one of those pedal taverns in downtown Nashville. And after he did that, he went to a country music bar and he rode a mechanical bull. And then the 78-year-old took the stage at Nissan Stadium and performed what may be the Rolling Stones' last concert in Nashville. And if you know anything about the Rolling Stones, you could probably guess what song they chose to sing as their encore a week ago last Saturday. Anybody got any guess? 
satisfaction. I can't get no satisfaction. You know, I thought we should hear that this morning, so I want to invite her on if you'll come and sing. No? Adam, you want to try it out? Can you do it? Um, oh, well, some people got it, some people don't, right? But they said that when, in the things that I read online, that when, when Mick Jagger started singing, I can't get no satisfaction, that everybody from fans to ushers to concession workers to the security detail were all singing along to that song. Did you know that Rolling Stone says that Satisfaction is the second best song of the 500 best songs of all time? Rolling Stone says it's number two. Now, what makes that song so popular? Is it because of the catchy title, I Can't Get No Satisfaction? Or is it because of the catchy guitar riff that's in the middle of the song? Or is it because that the lyrics of that song encapsulate what so many of us experience from time to time in our life? And that's this lack of contentment. This lack of being satisfied with our lives. You see, one of the main uh, messages in this song is that you and I constantly are being bombarded with messages that if you just bought this or if you just did that then you would be truly content then you would be satisfied and yet so oftentimes when we do buy this or when we do buy that the satisfaction doesn't last very long. And there comes from within us this hunger, a deeper hunger that still is longing to be satisfied. And it resurfaces over and over and over again for us. Well, discontentment is common in this book that I hold in my hands today. It's especially common in the Old Testament. You've heard me talk over and over and over again about the Israelites. You remember the Israelites. They were in bondage to Pharaoh and, 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 and in Egypt, and, and basically they were slaves, and Pharaoh used them to make the bricks to build the roads for the Egyptian transportation system. And so these Israelites, being enslaved, they cried out to God over and over and over again, uh, wanting to be delivered from slavery. And so uh, we're told in this book, the Old Testament, that, that God hears that prayer and, and that God sends a man named Moses to deliver these people from slavery, from their captivity to Pharaoh, and then to deliver these people to a promised land, a land that is uniquely their own, a land that is flowing with milk and honey. And can't you imagine that somebody that's been in bondage for 400 years that's cried out to God, can't you imagine having heard God answer your cry, having heard, had God send somebody to get you out of slavery, having promised you this wonderful land that you can spend the rest of your days with, couldn't you imagine that those people would be content, that, that they would be satisfied? Well... 
That's not the what happened. The Old Testament says that when the Moses led them out of slavery and was leading them towards the promised land, that they began to complain about the water. They were saying things like, you know what? Um, the water that we've got here is, is subpar. It's just not as good as the water we had when we were in Egypt. Yeah, we were slaves in Egypt, but, but the water tasted a whole lot better. You know what? If we had better tasting water, I am confident that we'd be truly content. I am confident that we would be satisfied, right? Well, not exactly. Uh, God says, uh, the Bible says that God uh, did improve the quality of the water for the Israelites, that God gave them actually sweet water. And some of you, that's not to be confused with sweet water 420. It's sweet water that God gave to the Israelites, and wouldn't that satisfy them? No. Then they started complaining about the food. They began to say things like, you know what? The food that you're giving us here as we're making our way through the wilderness to the promised land, it's not nearly as good as the food we had when we were slaves in Egypt. You know, if we could just have food more like what we had when we were slaves, then we would be truly content. Then we would be truly, truly satisfied. And isn't that right? Well, not exactly. Because... God did improve the quality of the food, and then the Israelites started complaining that there weren't enough choices on the buffet. They said, well, we, this food is good, we like this food, but we're tired of eating this food. We wish we had more choices to choose from. If we just had more choices to choose from, like we did when we were slaves in Egypt, then we would be truly content, and then we would be truly satisfied. Well, you kind of get where I'm going, don't you? They never were really, truly satisfied, despite all of the things that they thought would bring them true contentment. And the reason why you get where I'm going is because you and I have experienced those same sort of things. We've been taught and we've heard and we've allowed ourselves to believe that if we could just drive that, or if we could just afford this, or if we could just live here, or if we could just work there, or if we could just date her, or if we could just get away from him, then we would be truly satisfied. Then we would be truly content. But if a head full of hair won't truly satisfy you, and if having the fame and fortune of the Rolling Stones won't truly satisfy you, and if being delivered from bondage and oppression won't truly satisfy you? And if better tasting water won't satisfy you? Better tasting food won't satisfy you? More choices for food won't satisfy you? Then what will? In our scripture lesson that we've heard read this morning, Isaiah offers us the path toward true contentment. And, and, and what Isaiah says is the path of true contentment is that Isaiah extends an invitation to us from God. And the beautiful thing about the invitation that's been extended to us by Isaiah from God is that this invitation is open to everybody 
It doesn't matter. Your social status doesn't matter. Uh, your investment portfolio doesn't matter. What you wear doesn't matter. Where you went to school doesn't matter. Uh, what kind of uh, things you enjoy doing uh, in your free time doesn't matter. The banquet halls, according to Isaiah, have been opened wide, and the food is there that is good and rich, and it's free. It's for every single one of us. And Isaiah wants you to know, he wants to make it very clear that this food is not just food that's meant to fill your belly. This food is meant to give life to your soul. And this is the invitation that Isaiah offers to us. And then after he offers us this invitation... Isaiah also asks a soul-piercing question of personal reflection that's meant not only for the Israelites, but it's meant also, I think, for you and me today. Why do you keep spending your time and money on things that won't truly make you content? Why do you keep choosing, uh, spending your time and your money on things that won't ultimately satisfy you? Boy, when I read these words, I'm just reminded of just how much I need to hear constantly over and over and over again this invitation that God offers to all of us and also this question that God asks all of us. The invitation is to come and to be fed in a way that will not only feed your bellies, but will give life to your soul. And the question is, Tommy, why in the world do you still spend your time and your money on things that will not ultimately bring you satisfaction? And make you truly content. And as I read these words this week, I was thinking about, you know, um, when I spend more time talking about to friends and to people in the church about SEC football than I do about what Jesus has done in my life, is that really going to bring me Lasting satisfaction. Um, when I go and spend $5 on a latte at Starbucks and then I can't find change in my pocket to give the man outside of Starbucks that's begging for money any change, is that really going to satisfy me long term? When I spend more time reading uh, books recommended by Oprah Winfrey and her book club than I do, and I'm not talking about my sermon prep or Bible study. I get paid to do that. I'm talking about when I spend more time reading Oprah than I do just personal one-on-one -on -one Tommy time with God, trying to grow my personal faith. When I spend more time reading those books 
that Oprah recommends, is that going to ultimately satisfy me in some sort of significant way? Those are the kinds of questions I have to ask myself. But make no mistake about it, you have questions that you need to be asking yourself too. Have you responded to the invitation that God so freely offers to every single one of us to come and be fed and to have your thirst quenched in a way that nothing else in this world will quench or uh, help with? And then the, the piercing question, why and in what ways do we continue to spend our time and our money on things that will not ultimately satisfy us. Each one of us has to ask ourselves that question. Now, there's nothing wrong with talking about SEC football. I'm not going to say much today because I don't want to get hit with a bottle. Um, <laughs> There's nothing wrong with $5 extra hot no foam lattes from Starbucks. There's nothing wrong with knowledge acquired through reading books that are recommended by other people. Unless the pursuit of those things get in the way of the invitation that God has offered. Unless those things get in the way of us pursuing the things that really will bring us true contentment. That really, really will bring us lasting satisfaction. It's because God loves us so much that God wants us to know that there is a hole in our hearts that only God can fill. And, and only in God can that thirst be quenched and that hunger be satisfied. And it's because of God's love for us that God asks the question of us, why do you spend so much time and so much money on things that will not and cannot satisfy you the way I can.